If you've ever spent any time online looking for tutorials to learn how to program, you've likely come across this example, and that is the Hello World. Hello, folks, and welcome to the second episode of the Tunnel Coder Podcast. My name is Nate Rutan, and today we're going to be talking about the universal example in almost all code tutorials, the Hello World example. And we're also going to get into a little bit today, just briefly scratch the surface about some of the ways that we learn and some of the ways that society has shifted in the ways that we understand learning itself. So hope you stay tuned and enjoy. Now, the Hello World goes back uh, to the mid-70s, and it comes from a programming tutorial book on the C programming language. But essentially what this is, is it's sort of the most simple program that you can possibly write in any given language. And it's almost sort of like an inside kind of joke among programmers that any sort of tutorial needs to start with this Hello World example. And the Hello World example usually goes something like this. So take, for example, the C-sharp language or Java both of those languages, you need to have an entry point, it's called, which is the uh, point at which your code executes. And usually that uh, method or entry point is called the main method. And so inside of that main method, you, you basically just declare this main method inside of a, uh, a file called, let's say, program.cs, which would be the most simple thing to do. And inside of that main method, you could basically just call a built-in static function called console.writeLine. And all that does is it basically just says, take whatever text or anything that I, any input I put into this writeLine method and just output it to the console. And the console is almost always a terminal. And you, uh, you've, I'm sure you've seen a terminal before or the command line. Lots of people are scared of it. And uh, I used to be scared of it a long time ago. But I just uh, learned that it's essentially just all text-based input. And once you learn your way around, it's it's really nothing to be scared of. But anyway, a command line is basically usually like a little black box with white text. And you type in different types of things, uh, or you can get things back out. And so with the main method uh, in a language like C Sharp or Java, you could basically just write hello world in some text with an exclamation point, and we could just print it back out to the screen. And that would be the most simple program that you can possibly write for pretty much any language. And that's how they almost always universally start, and it's kind of this like funny inside joke. Uh, and then from there, usually almost all tutorials will move on to something extremely simple like hey look you can also take two numbers like 10 plus 10 and you can add them together and then you can assign that to a variable and let's call this variable x and look you can get this variable x back and look how simple this programming language is you can do these simple things like turn it into a calculator uh, and then from there they'll they'll move on to usually talking about the different uh, data types and data types are, uh, th this is a huge discussion. I'm not going to get into the whole thing right now, but um, usually they'll start with like what different types of numbers are represented in this language and the way they're represented and the 
levels of precision, like how many spaces out to the right do they go and how many uh, spaces after the decimal point do we have and how much memory does it take up and how do we uh, represent numbers of this length and numbers of this other length and things like that. And then also how do we represent uh, strings of text and and text in like, I don't know, this is getting into a whole other thing too, but there's text, which is usually represented as a string and a string is a string of bytes. And those bytes, each one of those bytes represents a character. So we'll go into those types of things usually at the beginning of a, a programming language tutorial, pretty much any tutorial will walk you through those things because I think the thinking is, is that you need to start with all the basic pieces first before you can build anything. So this is kind of a deep subject and really it actually goes back to sort of the history of the Western world and some of the philosophies behind how we learn. And this is also an extremely deep topic and we won't definitely won't have time for that today. I mean, maybe sometime we could scratch the surface of that. This is something that uh, I really do enjoy talking about. It's not related to code necessarily, but it's related in the sense that these are some of the sort of underlying assumptions or sort of, uh, I guess the word is pedagogy, pedagogy, I think that's how you pronounce it. But that's sort of the uh, the theory of, of learning. So the Western world has a theory of learning. And in this is, I'm going to condense this very, very into a very short form here. But when we went through uh, the period from the Middle Ages into what's called uh, the Enlightenment, uh, which is when was sort of when we had like the rise of science and all these types of things, um, right around, I'd say, between the 1500s and the second half of the 1600s and then into the 1700s, that was really sort of the this real transition period between really two different worldviews. And so in the Middle Ages, they really taught all the languages as a whole. And so if you wanted to learn science or math or philosophy or religion, all these things sort of blended together into one sort of cohesive view of the world. And uh, there's actually a really super awesome book on this subject by C.S. Lewis, who is the author of the uh, Narnia series. And um, lots of people don't know that he was actually a historical scholar. And he wrote a book on this very subject, which I have on my shelf, and it's a super awesome book. And it's called The Discarded Image. And if you ever get a chance, uh, it's a little bit dry, obviously, compared to his other fictional stuff. But it's an amazing treatise on this sort of shift in the Western world's view on how we learn and how we know things. So anyway, getting back to that idea, we sort of shifted from this idea that everything was sort of cohesive and this sort of one whole, like subjects didn't exist on their own. So going into the Enlightenment as uh, different thinkers like Immanuel Kant and and uh, Rene Descartes and um, even Hegel, uh, different philosophers, sort of made their mark on the way we think about how we learn, uh, it started to shift into this idea that we basically 
are going to break up all these different subjects into their own sort of little silos. So now you have a science department and you have a math department and you have a religion department and you have a philosophy department, etc. And so getting back to our coding example, I think we've really been marked by this sort of transition in a lot of ways because what this has done to the way that we learn is it basically has turned learning into this situation where you have all these pieces or all these bricks, or let's say they're Legos, and you dump all these Legos on the floor. And what we need to do first, according to the, our sort of new paradigm after the Enlightenment, after the Western world went through this period, now we think, okay, let's go through every single piece. We've got this little Lego brick. We've got this other Lego brick. We've got this little sort of axle that goes into the wheels. We've got this small wheel, this big wheel, we've got this gear, we've got this medium-sized gear, okay, we've got all these things, right? And we need to go through this thick book that describes all the different dimensions of these different pieces. And once, then, you know, basically, then and only then, once we get through the description of all these different pieces, then we can be free to start setting out about the business of building things, right? And so I think, in my opinion, looking at all the hundreds of different code tutorials that I've gone through over the last, I don't know, I don't know seven years or so, um, I found this at work all over the place. And so basically like what I just described, they'll start out with this idea of, okay, here you've got these strings and you've got these bytes and you've got these decimals and you've got these, um, you know, different ways to represent numbers. And then you've got classes and data structures and you've got arrays and queues and you've got objects and all these different things. Um, you've got lists, you know, which are modified forms of arrays. And I mean, there's literally just hundreds and really thousands of different pieces uh, to any given language. And so the problem is, is that you... I, th I feel like it's a very fragmented sort of way of understanding learning. And I think that the human mind, in my opinion, and, you know, with some of the things I've run across, and I've actually got a master's degree in a totally unrelated field. It's in, in the humanities. And so I ran across a lot of this during my master's degree, just looking at some of the different ways that we learn and some of the ways that we uh, understand how we get knowledge. And there's a whole field related to that called epistemology, which is a huge topic that I'm not going to get into right now, but uh, maybe someday. And um, so we look at that way of acquiring knowledge. Um, I think it's pretty much universally understood now um, amongst the people that are looking back at that sort of transition. And now the thinking is that that way of acquiring knowledge probably isn't the best, like where we just have all the different pieces and they're all scattered around and um, we're going to try to make sense of them before we can start building. So what's, you know, a better way, I think, in my opinion, is to look at sort of this more holistic kind of view of maybe an example of something that we want to do, right? Like, let's say, um, and I'm a I'm a backend coder for the most part, and uh, what that means is that I write code on the server, 
And you'll probably run across this term full stack developer, which means that somebody writes code not only on the front end, like with web pages and things like that, but also on the back end with the server code that powers all the data that these front end systems need to pull up. Um, and, and truly, I am really a full stack developer. I can write that front end code as well. I just don't prefer to. So anyway, in my examples of what we're going to do, like, like if I give an example of some sort of project, it's almost always going to be a back end example. So you'll just have to bear with me on that. And I know there's a lot of front end people that would probably, uh, you know, disagree with my thinking on this, but anyway, uh, I'm going to give backend types of examples. So I would be working on like an API, which is stands for application programming interface. And these are the sort of definitions of how you get data in and out of a, a backend system. So every system like web pages and uh, like apps on your phone and everything, if they're well-designed, they have a well-designed and documented API on the backend. And these APIs have things called endpoints. And these endpoints are basically almost sort of like web addresses of where you can push and pull information into them. And they're documented as to what types of information they'll accept and what types of information they'll give you back when you're asking for that data, right? So let's say for me, if I'm going to be creating a project, I'm going to be creating some type of web API, and so I might define some endpoint that I need uh, because I'm going to be receiving data from uh, some other system. I do a lot of integration work, which means that I receive data usually in the form of what's called a webhook. And uh, that's just like a little packet of data that gets pushed out from some external system. Like let's say it's an e-commerce site or a... Uh, CRM like HubSpot or Salesforce or something like that. Customer Relationship Management System uh, is what that stands for, CRM. But they can, almost all these systems, and also another good example is ClickFunnels, um, which I'm uh, super in love with. And go check out Russell Brunson if you ever get a chance. Just an awesome guy. Has so many good things to say. But anyway, um, ClickFunnels does this too. Almost all, any good systems really will have the ability to push out a webhook because this is how you integrate and tie together uh, different systems. So that webhook is going to be coming in and I'm going to register it uh, with a particular endpoint. And that endpoint, like I said, is sort of like a URL that basically is kind of an external um, location where we can push these webhooks into. But also like if we were building a mobile app or a, or a, uh, a web app or something, We'd also want these endpoints defined so that if we're going to render some part of a page on an app or a web app or whatever, um, and we want to pull some data, we're going to go hit that endpoint or that defined URL because we know that it's going to give us like customer information or whatever information we need to be populating the screen with at that time. We're going to go find it at this endpoint or that endpoint, or we're going to actually find a few endpoints and then aggregate that data together, sort of smash that data together and then present it to the user, right? So for me, I'm going to be working on those backend systems, defining those endpoints. And anyway, that's a long-winded way of saying, uh, getting back to my example of learning and um, 
if I'm going to be creating one of these systems and I wanted to teach you how to do that, uh, I would, I think to me, it would be better to start out with sort of a working example, maybe a simplified example, but a working example. And, and I would start out by showing you, Hey, here's this, uh, you know, endpoint, like I said, like I talked about, and we're going to accept this kind of data. And then once we accept that data, we're going to do this sort of process and we're going to spin it off onto this uh, worker thread, you know, or do some sort of complex computation over here. And we're going to get it off into this uh, area and we're going to do some calculations or we're going to do some pulling of some more data. Or we're going to stash this data in a database and then we're going to pull some other database uh, information back out. We're going to do something with it and then we're going to make it available on that endpoint or I don't know, something like that. That's kind of how these projects look, right? But I think it would be better if you didn't know how to code for me to start a tutorial with real world business examples. Like I'm going to start out and say, hey, look, this is a simplified backend app and this is the types of things that it needs to do or these are the types of things that it needs to do, and then show you that brief functionality and then say, okay, let's dive into how this works, okay? And then at that point, we're going to start to take a look at, okay, we've got um, these different types of data. So we've got our, our data. We've got these different types of structures. We're going to be using uh, lists or arrays or like a what's called a hash or a dictionary, which... Um, you know, I'll, t I'll talk about some of these different things on a different episode and, and break these things down because they sound kind of fancy, but really in reality, um, they're not that hard to use. They might actually be pretty fancy behind the scenes, but we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff as an everyday software developer. We just need to know how to use them, right? Like, uh, I don't need to know all the electrical engineering that went into my circular saw or the drill that's on the wall in my garage, right? To to pick those things up and do a home improvement task. I don't need to know all the different uh, decisions that the electrical, electrical and mechanical engineers made when they decided how much impedance or how many ohms or how many, I don't know, different electrical things went into this particular motor. I'm sure that's super complex, right? And I'm not an electrical engineer, but I take these things for granted and I'll pick up my saw and I'll use it. So in another way, I'm sort of like a high level engineer. Um, and so I do have to make some engineering um, decisions when I'm doing a home improvement project, right? Like I need to decide what ways I want to cut the corners of some kind of wood or something. And that's a certain type of engineering, right? But it's definitely higher level and way less complex than the engineering that went into that saw, right? So it's kind of basically the same thing, like, um, you know, and I'm, I'm digressing here, but like with the, the hash sets and the arrays and the lists and, you know, all these types of data structures, there's been some extremely smart engineers on the back end that have made these things possible for us to use as everyday software developers. We just need to know that a list has an add method or uh, an array has a pop method or I don't know, these different things that we use every day. And it's basically like knowing that a saw has a trigger or it has this uh, shield over the, uh, <laughs> excuse my dog there, I've got a great Dane named Lincoln who's laying in the corner and I don't know if you can hear him, but he just uh, sat up and sighed really loud. But anyway, um, 
you've got a saw and it's got a shield over the the saw blade, right? And you know how to pull that thing back when you need to, and you know how to uh, press the trigger and I don't know set the uh, depth of the saw. That's pretty much what you need to know and how to plug it in, right? And so anyway, that's the kind of thing we need to know when we're a software developer is that a high level developer like me and like you, because uh, you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you were a different type, right? But getting back to the example of all the Lego pieces on the ground, um, man, what we really need to know is we need to know how these things fit together in the sense that how they fit together in a working project. We don't need to, we don't really need to know what they all do on their own because I think that's the thing. That's the whole point of this episode, right? Like that I've been driving at the whole time is I think it's best to start with a working example and then to dive into the particulars of some um, thing that you're some data piece or some data structure or some library code that you're pulling in or whatever it is that you need to do at the moment. Uh, we can dive into the particular syntax or look up that documentation on the fly as we're creating this project. And I think it just, it, it does a lot of things. It makes you a lot faster, uh, first of all, because you're starting right out, getting involved in doing what you need to do. You're going straight to that business logic. You're getting things done. But also, too, you're seeing how everything fits together into a coherent whole into a working example. And maybe that example isn't super complex to start out, but um, you're seeing how it fits together rather than the other way around, which is, like I said before, just looking at all these individual pieces and trying to understand how those pieces would all fit together in a coherent whole. Because I think the human brain really doesn't work that way. Our minds are wired to look at whole things you know, like other human beings or like animals or like the moon or a field full of crops or whatever it is, it's this thing. And then we start to sort of analyze it and break it down and look at the different ways that the parts fit together, not the other way around. We don't think in terms of a big pile of things and how those those things would turn into a whole. Do you know what I'm saying? So anyway, that's basically what I wanted to talk about today. And uh, I just wanted to bring that to your attention because uh, on this Tunnel Coder podcast, that's really kind of the foundation of what I want to talk about is I want to start uh, educating everyone that's coming to the world of learning to code. And I, I really would like to change the paradigm and change the way we understand code tutorials and really kind of flip the script and uh just make it a different experience um, and, and kind of get back to that sort of uh, pre-enlightenment sort of um, way of understanding how information fits together. So that's what we're going to do on this show. And I hope you stick around. I hope you listen to some of the other episodes we've got coming up. We're going to try to start putting out episodes on a regular basis. And actually, I meant to do this today, but I think I'm going to do it on the next uh, episode I'm going to do an episode on the four things that I think are the most necessary and most sort of distilled down things that you need to know as uh, um, somebody that's learning how to code. I believe there are really only four things that you need to know 
in order to become productive. So I'm going to talk about that on the next episode. So anyway, I hope you guys are having an awesome day or an awesome night wherever you are. Thanks so much for joining me and have a good one.